Hello and welcome back to another edition of Blitz Scalable Venture Deals. And that means that I'm Chris Ye and I'm joined by my partner, Scott Johnson. Say hi, Scott. Hello, Chris. Hello, everyone. It's time to review April deals. And these are deals that were announced in April, not done in April. That's an important distinction that we have. Uh, and there were 133 of them. So not a super active month, but not an inactive month. If you read the popular press, then you would believe that uh, kind of venture fell on its face and is dead and it's 2001 all over again and nuclear winter and all that. And having lived through that, I can tell you this is not that, that 133 deals is a fair chunk. That's kind of decent activity. And I'd say we're still for the moment in an above average fundraising climate and got a long way to go before we get to a really risk averse climate. So, you know, a solid, solid bunch of deals. And we have three of them that met our filter. In other words, they scored above 80 in our proprietary scoring algorithm. And we're going to talk about those in a minute. But first, there was some interesting news last week when a quote unquote stable coin proved to be not quite so stable. Isn't that right, Chris? That's correct. So those of you who've been following the news have probably heard of the Terra saga. And what it was is there was a project, Terra, which was started by a Stanford dropout. And the idea was it was an algorithmically stabilized stablecoin. In other words, unlike the leading stablecoins, which are backed by ostensibly at least traditional securities, the Terra stablecoin, also known as UST, was stabilized through this algorithmic process by which it had a companion cryptocurrency, Luna. And basically, anytime it looked like UST might drop below the $1 mark, you could burn Luna in order to get UST or burn UST in order to get Luna. And basically, the situation would stabilize out. So people who had UST would see stability. People who saw people who held the Luna coin would see a lot more variability, but potentially more upside. And the reason this thing took off is because they began offering 20% interest on UST deposits through something called Anchor. And you may remember, Scott, that when we first started coming across these DeFi services, which promised to pay 15%, 20% in interest, what did I immediately tell you? It's a scam. This is, there, there's, there's no value being created here, so there's no way anybody could pay 20%. And so this is going to implode. Yes. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Now, there is still some controversy over why it occurred. The crypto maximalists, of course, say, well, this is a coordinated attack by outside forces that took it down, to which my response would be, if your system is vulnerable to a coordinated attack, you can't call it a stable coin. <laughs> well, uh, I, I could clearly a, um, a vulnerability has been shown in this type of thing. Are there others out there that people should be aware of? Well, I think just in general, the key thing to do is to ask yourself, if this seems too good to be true, what is the mechanism of action? So with these DeFi outfits, what they would say is, hey, we're going to be able to generate these 20% returns because other people are going to pay us interest in order to be able to borrow those stable coins and use them for something. And that sounds reasonable, except then you have to ask, okay, why are they willing to pay that interest? 
And the answer would be, well, because they found something that was going to deliver even more than that. I'm like, oh, okay. So what kind of risk is involved here? Basically, if you find an insanely high risk-free return, unless you could figure out how that risk-free return is occurring by screwing someone else, then you're the one who's going to get screwed. Yes, and anybody that uh, lost money with Madoff will remember that very fondly. Uh, it, it's just always proven true that the indifference curve, a famous curve that we all learned about in business school, the indifference curve is for real. And you cannot have a high return without high risk. It just doesn't exist in nature for, for very long if it exists ever. The sad thing is, you know, people have a simple way to get rich, which is save money, invest it into the market, probably into a broad index fund or an indexed EFT with very low expense ratios and just wait 25 years. The only problem is nobody likes to get rich slow. Everybody wants to get rich quick. Well, and you know, let's, let's not forget the other great way to build wealth is to start a business and own a chunk of a, a growing profitable company. And that is, uh, that's, I think there's a report recently out that said, surprise, surprise, that many of the millionaires, most of the millionaires, the majority of them, are not the ones that you see in the news. They're the, the guys and the, the people and the, that own the used the car, you know, the, the bottlers and the, the car distributors and, you know, just kind of boring old profitable businesses like that. So it's uh, ownership is still the way to go. Absolutely. Which is why we're in venture capital, because we look to own companies that we think are going to be incredibly valuable over time. Now, for this month, we are only going to talk about three companies. That's pretty low, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes it's eight and sometimes it's five and sometimes it's four, but it's almost never three. So I just think that this month, either we're becoming a lot more hard nosed, which I don't think is true. Or, you know, just this month, the, uh, the crop was a little lighter on the kind of deals that we like to see. Well, perhaps we are being affected as well. You know, we're not immune to the madness of crowds. Maybe all those endless memos that VC firms are issuing saying everyone has to batten down the hatches and drive their burn rate to zero have somehow impacted us without our realizing it. Yes, and they've always been so accurate in their prognostications. I just um, so you know we'll 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 see what really happens. Nobody nobody knows. Um, the trend has not been good in the first quarter and the first you know almost half of the year. Things have gone from very frothy to you know it's more of a sort of a balanced market between buyer and seller at this point. Does it go way back down to buyer's market where cash is king and? Uh, entrepreneurs with good businesses are begging for any money at any price the way it was in 2002. Um, you know, I, I, I can't say. It doesn't appear to me that that's going to happen. I think in our, I, I've just finished writing our long LP letter for this quarter, which we're about to send out, which talks about the differences between the 2001 and now, and they are many in market and I won't enumerate them now, but I, I, I think, Chris, you and I have talked about this and we agree that we're not going to that dark place. 
Absolutely not. And I feel very good about where we are because we as a venture firm have always said we want temporal diversification as well. And we focus just on investing in great businesses. And my own experience, uh, 20 plus years, 25 years in the tech industry, you have nearly 25 years, you have over 25 years in the tech industry, almost 25 years of VC investing experience. All our experience tells us you can build a great company that generates tons of cash that lets you print money during any kind of economy. Yeah, it's easier at times in some ways in good times, but then they also have to deal with more and more competitors, which is an issue that we run into as we're looking at our companies. So I'm still super pumped and excited about the future. That is one thing that is always true is that innovation does ultimately overcome no matter what is uh, it faces. So we are, we share that optimism and let's get into the companies. The first one we're going to talk about is a favorite industry of Chris Yeh and the company's called Audio, A-U-D-Y-O. And it is audio.ai, spelled the same way, .ai. And General Catalyst did a small seed round here. It's a million, million dollars, you know, they're just getting going. But what they're doing is pretty cool. So tell us about it. So it's no secret that I am a huge fan of audio, not just because we have this podcast, but because I believe that audio serves this super important role, which is it's something that people can do while they're doing something else. I have this thing I always say to audiences, which is, hey, you know, when it comes to podcasting, the key thing is it's not like you go to your special podcast listening chair, slip on your super expensive podcast listening headphones, sit down in the chair, close your eyes, and then press play. Like that's not the experience. It's not like the old days when people would cluster around and listen to the radio play or something like that because they had nothing better to do. Nowadays, audio is something that we listen to while something else is going on. And we are always looking for great content. We're always looking to catch up on things. That's why Audible is so popular. It's a huge thing for Amazon. People love audiobooks as well. Well, what does audio do? Audio turns any written content into audio using AI-based voice-generated audio. So you can suddenly turn around and you could have your favorite Substack via audio instead of via reading. You can have your favorite blog. You can have whatever it is via audio instead. Now, I love this product because it will really help me in life because I have more things I want to read than I have time to. And right now I rely on podcasts, but you know what, if I could sub in instead of those podcasts, the content I really needed to learn, that would be great. But the reason why this is the first one mentioned, which means it has the lowest score is because it is the one that is worst in terms of winner take most. So as I think about winner take most here, I'm like, okay, great. You have this technology. It actually does a good job. We listen to a couple of examples. It's like, actually, this is pretty good. You know what? Some people are actually pretty crappy at reading their own stuff. It would be better than some bloggers, not all, and certainly not as good as me, but you know, be better than many. It's certainly sufficient. But the question is, well, okay, you have this technology. Couldn't other people have this technology as well? How are you going to lock people in? There is some impact of being the first to really get as many content creators on as possible to really get the audio out there. But, you know, in many ways, it'd probably be fair use. You could probably just go ahead and put anyone's text through this and, and make it work just because you can have a, a reader, if you're disabled, read any text. So I struggle a little bit with the winner take most that makes it kind of borderline. But I do think that there's great distribution. If you are like me and you have a blog, 
offering an audio version of the blog without having to read all the articles. That seems like a great idea. Product market fit is pretty obvious. This is something people want. Market size, I mean, people, Sirius XM just paid $150 million for Conan O'Brien's podcast, right? This is a big market. This is a big opportunity. And so we love this opportunity. It's just a question of, will this actually be winner take most? Will they be able to build in enough network effects or land grab to make it work? Yeah, and it's really the land grab. And you did gloss over one important point, which is that this doesn't sound like a robot reading text. It really sounds like better than anything I've heard before. So there's something special in the technology here. Not as good as me, but I don't have the time to read everyone's stuff. You can't read everything. And and the robot is scalable and you're not. So it is a... um, it is a compelling business. It scored a 78. And so it didn't quite meet the hurdle. And even that 78 might be a little generous. I don't know if we gave it an eight out of 10 in winner take most. Is it really eight? Eh, we pushed it because we like the company so much. But, you know, in a, in, a, in a more sober moment, maybe it's a seven or a six. So it's, it's, it's not going to meet our tests, but we did want to talk about it because it does solve an important need and it's just a, a favorite topic for Chris. And so audio, A-U-D-Y-O was the first deal. And heading into number two, now these remaining two deals, they have really good scores. They're, they're above 90. We almost never have scores above 90. So the fact that we don't have five deals is sort of compensated for the fact that two of them are scoring really high. And the first one we're gonna talk about is a company called Chalo. And I guess, Chris, why don't you just talk about Chalo for a minute? And it's, it's, um, it's a pretty, well, it's, it's a really cool business. Absolutely. It's a fantastic product. What it does, and again, I don't know how they managed to do this under the covers. Uh, that's the trick. The technology is going to be interesting. What they're able to do is work with the bus companies in various cities in India and convert them and provide them with an app that lets people see where the buses are, that lets people book the buses, travel on the buses. It's basically the complete solution for bringing them into the modern age. And bus travel is really big. It's huge in India, but bus travel is really important all over the world. Bus travel is really better and more sustainable for the environment. It is less expensive, so it could appeal to just about anyone. India, of course, has a massive emerging middle-class population that could use this. And there is a strong land grab element because, you know, how many of these companies is an individual city going to work with? Once you get the transit provider in the city on this, guess what? You've got a locked-in market. So we love it. And then from a viral, viral growth or distribution system, guess what? Every person who walks onto the bus, if there's signs there for Chalo saying, hey, this is how you do it from now on, everyone's going to adopt it. In fact, at a certain point, once it gets to enough of a market share, they might just say, you know what, from now on, we're making it required. So there's all this great lock-in, there's great distribution, product market fit. I mean, provided this actually works, it just makes sense. And they're, they've got millions of riders, so we're pretty sure it works. So all this is great. Now, the downside is we do think that there are issues around org scalability and ops scalability, right? It's not going to be perfect 10 out of 10 software because you got to somehow 
track the buses. Maybe this involves a hardware component. Who knows? You've also got to deal with customer service. Grandma wants to get onto the bus. She can't. It's going to be terrible on social media if the bus driver is shown kicking her off or somebody says, hey, my grandma tried to board using Chalo and she couldn't get on. She had to do it the old-fashioned way. This thing sucks. So you got to actually deal with customer issues and deal with them pretty quickly when they come up. So there will be some reason for that. But overall, the score is great. We gave it a 9 out of 10 for winner take most because it's a land grab, not a true network effect, but you know, still a strong land grab. 10 out of 10 for viral growth and distribution because obviously the cities want this in people's hands. They want their systems utilized. Product market fit of 9 because, again, just, just from looking at the product, just does everything that you would expect it to do. 10 out of 10 market size, 10 out of 10 gross margin because, again, this is software. This is India. This is huge. And then eight for org scalability, nine for op scalability. Add that all together, you get a 90, which is a darn good score. We see 90s very rarely, maybe once every couple of months. Usually it's a social network. And in this case, it's it's an app that, you know, you talked about the, the viral growth. I mean, it, it, they have the power of the transit system in um in getting this into people's hands it's a super powerful thing i mean i know when i go to a, a, a new city and i have to get the you just like you look for the transit app you download it so you can use the public transport which i do and not everyone that uh is in this business uses public transport but i try to do that whenever i can and it's a um you know it's 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 a really nice thing to have the app that that works with the transit system. It makes it so you can tell. It's no fun sitting there wondering when the bus is going to get there. If you know that it's going to be 30 minutes, then okay, you can do something for those 30 minutes. If you know it's three, then you can, you know, not walk away and get that soda or whatever you're going to get. So it's it's really, really a, a big life upgrade if you're a bus rider to have perfect knowledge of when the bus you are expecting is actually going to show up. So it's a huge value add, this enormous consumer surplus, the old economics term that I love in, uh, in this. It doesn't cost you much, if anything. I'm not even sure what the business model is, but I, I do know that everybody in India is going to want to have this app and every city is going to want to have this service. And I, I think it's going to be super fast growing. It's, uh, it, by the way, it's a $14 million round and participation from Matrix. Um, and if you want to check them out, it is chalo.com, C-H-A-L-O. All right. Next company is a very inaptly named company. They're called the Upside Travel Company. And... It has nothing to do with travel. So maybe once upon a time, I don't know their entire company history, but maybe once upon a time it was a travel business, but it's not anymore. It's all about rewards for spending money at nearby merchants. So let's say you want to go out to dinner um, or you want to go you know, buy uh, some sporting equipment or just pretty much anything you want to do, you go to their app, you go to the map and you look for participating merchants and you choose the participating merchants instead of other merchants. And then what happens, Chris? 
Well, you get a discount, right? You get a rebate on the money that you spend. And I love this because everyone knows I am a cheapskate. I love these reward systems. I even belong to the primitive earlier generation versions of this. There were things like iDine and Transmedia, for example, that gave you discounts at restaurants that was tied to your credit card, but you didn't know if you'd get the credit or not. And it was really clunky and hard to use. And it was really hard to figure out which restaurants applied. I think Shopkick was another one. Yep, Shopkick. Shopkick. Yeah, Shopkick was designed to offer some discounts to increase foot traffic. Again, the fact that this is the fact that this offers discounts is something everyone loves. The fact that now we can do this in a mobile first way where we're aware of your locations is great. Eventually they can do pushing uh, push notifications of of very quick yield management discounts. Hey, the next hour only discount, that sort of thing. There's just so much possibility here. And I just have no idea why they're called the Upside Travel Company, because that makes <laughs> no sense. Makes no sense. They did a Series D, as in David. So it's a pretty late stage deal. $65 million. Once again, our friends at General Catalyst, uh, this time they were the lead here. And so, you know, it's a, it's a mature business that has a lot of traction. And if you go and use the app in a major city, you'll probably find a lot of things near you that have this discount opportunity. So gas stations are a big one, but many, many, many things that you spend money on every day, you can get this discount and it, it can add up and people love these kind of things. Uh, so let's run through the scoring. Well, I want to just add a comment, a further comment here, which is, you know, famously, uh, when I talk about Blitzscaling, I sometimes talk about the problem of Groupon which was one of the fastest growing companies of all time before Pinduoduo came along and took that crown. And it ultimately was unsuccessful because there was no product market fit. It was a shitty product that was not good for the consumer. It was not good for the merchant. But in comparison with Upside, it is much better. Now, why is this that it works? Well, you know, part of it is that the rewards are more reasonable, right? It's a delicate balance. The rewards have to be big enough to appeal to the consumer, but they have to be small enough to be economically viable for the merchant. And it feels like they're sort of getting into that right area. So for example, one of the examples they give is 25 cents off a gallon for gas. Well, guess what? You'll take anything off your gallon of gas right now because things are so expensive. And so I just feel like they've navigated this pretty well. There's been over $200 million earned by cashback, earned by upside users. Uh, so I really feel like they're doing well. Now, again, uh, the big questions around distribution, are they going to be able to get enough virality? I really feel like they should add a viral component to this. I mean, my God, just imagine if you were able to earn a piece of the action for what your friends were getting back. This could be huge. I really feel like uh, they could do even more. But yeah, as you mentioned, they've already raised money from great investors. They're considerably far along, having raised $215 million so far. I should have mentioned that Bessemer was in there before GC. So yeah. there's a couple of really top investors here. Great investor. So, you know, we went and said, hey, winner take most. There's a land grab element here. There's a selection marketplace element. People are obviously going to join the network that has the most consumers. The consumers are going to join the network, which has the most merchants. It is done on a city by city basis because geography matters. This is people doing stuff in person. Viral growth of distribution. It's pretty good right now at a nine. Like I said, I think they could kick it up even further. They could start paying some better refer a friend awards and, and get some good incentivized virality going there. Uh, product market fit, nine out of 10. It just makes sense. You just find a place, you just put it on your regular credit card and it just shows up.
so easy. Market size, huge. Gross margin, huge. Oregon op scalability. Guess what? They don't have to cook the food or, or package the goods. They just have to help direct demand, which is the absolute best kind of business model. This is a 92, which is pretty darn high. Yeah. And, you know, it's, there's only like a couple of nines in their scoring. And one of them is in product market fit. We always, we almost never go to nine with product market fit, but in this case, we tried it out and it really is good. So congrats to the team here. They've done a terrific job. I think the, the business is timed well, you know, a, a company like this does great in a recession. Merchants really want customers. Well, Customers really want discounts. Uh, customers really want discounts, you know, when they're feeling the pinch with inflation. So I, I really think, uh, and, and we've come to consensus that this is a 92. So it might be a little too late for us. The valuation might, might and could well have gotten past our threshold, but still worth talking about because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a great business, just, a, just our kind of blitzscaler. Awesome. Well, that's it for the month of April 2022. Three potential blitz scalers, two 90 plus scores, very rare. Those companies, again, were audio, which turns any written content into a listenable podcast like thing. We have Chalo, which is the bus application over in India. All of a sudden, buses are like Ubers. You can see when they're coming. You can do everything without cash, which is something everyone wants these days. And of course, the terribly named Upside Travel Company. But my God, what a great service. Every consumer is going to want it. Every merchant's going to want to try it out. It's a delicate balance, but they seem to have found it. So just really awesome stuff, even with people worrying about what's going on in the world and economics and so on and so forth. Great businesses will still thrive. Indeed. And I, I, I hope I mentioned it's upside.com. So it's not upsidetravelcompany.com. If you want to go find them and start saving money, it's upside.com. And that's it for this week, this month. Well, Scott, thank you again, as always, for coming in and, and running this analysis. It's always a pleasure to do this with you. And we'll continue to monitor the situation very closely, whether it's new Web3 scandals or memos from VC firms. And again, when we get that May information out there, we'll continue to monitor the number of deals and see if we see a slowdown. But right now, looks like even though things are slower than the crazed, frothy peak, things are still going along. Great businesses are being started. And if they're great businesses, we're going to be there to invest in them.